to the Rev It Up podcast, helping entrepreneurs fill up their tanks, crank up the RPMs, and put the pedal to the metal until they cross that finish line. Hello, I'm Jess Tiffany. Ready, set, go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rev It Up podcast. Just super excited today to have an incredible guest. We have Kim Orleski, and she is owner of the KO Advantage Group. She's LinkedIn's top sales leader, three times author. Her current book is called Sell More Faster, and I would say that we all want to sell more faster. So with that, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Jess. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's kind of get into it before we get too far. Where can people find you online and what's the best way to reach out and where do they get your book? Yeah. So LinkedIn is kind of the biggest place to find me on any type of social media. My website is kimorleske.com and my book is available wherever your books can be found. So whether that is, if you're an Amazon person, go find it on Amazon. But please, please, if you can support small business, go to your local book retailer, ask them to order it in and you can find find a copy. I'm also, if you have your show notes. I actually will give people the link to the actual whole version, e-copy version. You can go to bit.ly slash sell more faster book if you prefer to save a tree and just read the e-version. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can definitely put that in the show notes. So thank you for that. That's fantastic. So Kim, kind of uh, just briefly, how did you get your start in the sales? Obviously, you've made it big, but kind of where did you start from and maybe one or two little kind of maybe struggles you had to overcome to get there? Oh, man. I mean, that's a fully loaded question there. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, I mean, when I graduated university, I had a degree in finance. I thought I was going to sit in front of spreadsheets all day. And through chance and circumstance, right, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. I ended up falling into sales as a career, thinking that that was just going to be a short-term move and I was going to get a skill set and then I was going to continue on. But it turns out that I ended up falling in love with sales. And I worked for uh, several different companies, Xerox, American. Express. I worked for, you know, a logistics company, medical device company. And then after about like 10 years, almost when you do really well in corporate sales, you can do really well. I went and traveled the world and I took six months off on backpacking. And as I, you know, traveled 17 different countries, I was like, oh my goodness. I'm like, that is the life I truly want to live. And I came back, I decided to start my own sales training company through lots of iterations at the end of the day. And today we are, we're going to be celebrating our third year anniversary which is super exciting. We're a very fast growing team. Really what we want to do is we want to help empower entrepreneurs and small business owners, specifically those that are selling high value services in a business to business conversation. How do you get that premium dollar for that premium service that you're ultimately selling? Because I truly believe that one of the biggest false statements that ever had is I will charge more when I have more clients. And it's actually not the case at all. I've seen people that will be in their very first sale after after they've taken our training and be able to close what they thought was the biggest deal that they could have ever done. And in some cases, I mean, this is, you know, two times, three times their monthly salary when they were working for a corporate company. How do you suggest that people get that mental gap filled, you know, where it's like they feel like, and I know I've felt this way many times, is just that, you know, how do you justify making that big jump when you've only charged a certain amount before? I think it's sometimes a challenge for people. Yeah, well, yes, it is, right? But I mean, was it was it Bob Proctor who said, you know, something along the lines of, why am I worth more than you? And it's only because I said that I am. Like, that was that was pretty mm -hmm. much it. And so, you know, at some point, if there's not, I mean, how do you get past the mental shift? It's like, how do you how do you go halfway on a diving board? 
Mm. Right. Like you're, you're either on the diving board or you're in the pool. Right. Like there is there is no halfway point. And at some point you have to decide that today's the day I'm going to jump off the diving board. Today's the day that I'm going to start charging more. And when it comes down to it, I mean, the first thing is, is that you have to be like, just decide. Right. And when it comes to things like pricing, I think a lot of people are surprised that, you know, most companies will choose their pricing like you know, I pulled it out of thin air and they're like, but there's all this like, you know, math. And it's like, no, I just, I selectively chose that that's my pricing and I created enough value that people said that, yes, that's worth it. The other thing about, about pricing and, and how is that worth it is that the more you slow down your sales process and get to know the client and the client gets to know you and you're able to create, how will this investment help you to deliver more, right? How will a dollar with me help you to generate four or $10 in your own company? that becomes a way easier conversation and a mental shift for a lot of people. Because when I'm not just trying to save you time and money, you know, there I'm looking at it from a, this is where Jess is at a current point in time. This is how much I can save him. So that's where my value is. But rather from an abundance mindset where when Jess invests with me, this is this investment is going to get him, you know, four times, 10 times, a hundred times more in revenue, profitability, clients, whatever it is, that becomes a way easier justification. Mm. Yeah. I heard somebody say recently something about, you know, if I give you a hundred dollars, would you give me $10 back kind of thing? (laughs) If you add more value than what the perceived price is, then it makes sense, you know, for, for most people. Well, and that, and that's why even in our sales training, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, understanding where the client's ultimate goals are, right? What is the bigger picture for the client and carving yourself out as a small pie or a small piece of that entire pie mm-hmm. versus saying like, you know, how much are you currently spending on your, your marketing, right? And if we could save you 20% of that, right, would that be worth it? Essentially what you're doing is you're, you've set your entire services as the pie and then you're asking the client to justify, you know, you as a piece of that versus saying, let's look at what we can create together. And then, you know, see if that, you know, if we can carve out a a small portion of it. Awesome. In your book, is there like one or two tips, like a sneak preview you can give us of a couple of the tips that really can transform a, a business? Well, I'll let you know the book is full of nuggets. Book, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> I, I mean, that, but... yeah. So I mean, so I mean, you know, our our flagship program is, is called Ko Sales U, right? And it's okay. it's the only subscription based sales training that's available out there. So for somebody who only needs like you know a couple of tips and tricks, you know, for for certain things like let, I need to get better at proposals, I need to get better at emails, I need to get better at creating value in the sales conversation. They could literally join us for a month and then quit right after that. But for someone else who wants to really get entrenched in it, right, you know, get to the point where they're taking master classes, they're taking the advanced level, they could join us for, you know, a longer period of time. And, you know, and this is for individuals as well as teams. So when I created the Sell More Faster book, right, essentially what I did was I said, okay, if somebody literally could not attend, you know, these classes, right, could I, you know, condense the entire class, the entire, you know, program into a book that they could digest? in four hours. And that's essentially what I did. So, I mean, we cover everything from, you know, just looking at, you know, how are you lead qualifying your accounts, right? How are you like, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that a lot of, you know, small business owners just don't do. They, their lead qualification process typically is like, okay, as long as the person has a heartbeat and a credit card that works, they're ideal for me. <laughs> like That's my lead qualification. The unfortunate reality is if that's your barrier, right? you end up, you end up getting a lot of the winner's curse, right? You end up winning the business, but then you curse yourself
yourself every single day that because you have to now deal with this high maintenance client, a client that doesn't understand where the scope of work should be, you know, you're not clear on the expectations. So we, we talk a lot about the lead qualification process. Now, the other thing that I am a big proponent of is transparency throughout the sales process. When I came from corporate sales, I mean, we did everything from, and this is still like, and I, this is what it surprises me still to this day, a lot of sales training will very much focus on like, don't talk about price. Don't talk about price until you get to the proposal, right? You know, just, just avoid the conversation. And I hate this because the reason, like, I mean, we're now seeing six and 10 clients that want to talk about price very early on in the conversation, typically even as early as the first meeting. The other thing that we typically see is after that point in time is like when you get to the proposal and you're showing somebody the price for the very first time and you're trying to close them on that, of course, they're not going to say yes. Right. Of course, they're going to have to take a moment to think about this. And they teach us this in, say, in old school sales school that like you're like, OK, well, now I've shown you the price. I've shown you all this crazy value. Here's what the price is. And the client is supposed to react like it is the most amazing magic trick that they have ever seen. I'm like, whoa, like this is amazing. And I'm going to fall back in my chair with like astounding, like, you know, disbelief. And I'm going to sign on the dotted line. Nobody nobody has ever signed that way. And so throughout the entire book, we talk a lot about like being open, being honest, like owning, like owning that premium price with a badge of honor. Because if somebody is going to disqualify themselves, I would rather you disqualify yourself in meeting one, not in meeting eight, and then say, that is so far out of our budget. Like we have no, we have no ability. I would rather make somebody slightly uncomfortable earlier on and allow the relationship to build that comfort level to the point where when when we get to that final price they already have an expectation of what it is they get to that final price and they're like oh okay it's a little bit more than I wanted to spend but listen like I get it like you know throughout this entire process I get why you're so much more and that for me is worth it absolutely I know when uh when people like on LinkedIn a lot of times they'll approach me and they'll say hey we got this new software that you're just gonna love and, and like <laughs> And if it sounds interesting, occasionally, you know, once in a while it peaks my like they say it does this thing. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. But then I, you know, I go, so my first question is, what's this cost? And they're like, oh, it's only $75,000 a week, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, well, that's not my budget. Cut it by 85,000, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Try, pay, try paying me, right? Uh, and that's, I mean, that's another good point, right? Is that, you know, oftentimes a lot of people in their pitch, right? will say like, listen, can I get it? Can I show you a demo? Can I show you a demo? Can I show you a demo? And this is like, I mean, from a buyer's perspective, this is one of the worst things that you could possibly do because essentially you haven't created enough value you don't understand what the issues are in my company. And despite how amazing and pretty your product is, if I am in no position to change or enhance myself, it doesn't matter how great the demo is. It's like a car dealer saying, hey, take the test drive of this vehicle. Just take a test drive of this vehicle. Great, I'm happy to take a test drive. But if I'm in no position to actually buy a car, What's the point of a test drive? And when people jump to the demo too soon in the sales process, like essentially you have nowhere to go, right? There's a show, How I Met Your Mother, right? And they did this this iconic episode called The Naked Man. And the, the naked man essentially had like this like date. And he's like, the date's not really, I'm not really sure where it's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to get a second date. So I'm just going to pull a naked man. And one in three will say yes, right? And essentially in the demo, you're going to see the same thing, right? You're going to like, you, you maybe have like a little bit of a meeting with the person. You're like, great, let's get to the demo. 
And only one in three at that demo stage continue on because they're like, well, now you've shown me everything. I, I don't I don't have anywhere to go. And like your demo should be like your closing tool, not a, you know, hey, let me show you. Let me show you the goodies. And you determine whether this is actually something that you're interested in, like pursuing or not. That's good. Yeah. Back to this link. So I get a lot, a lot of I'm really active on LinkedIn as well. I know you are as well. And, you know, you just constantly getting all these messages and all these sales pitches just constantly, which is kind of irritating sometimes. But for your sales process, is there like one or two methods that really can help you get to the right decision maker without alienating people before you even talk to them? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Always. So, I mean, like, and you've heard it before, right? Like, I mean, always start at the decision maker as often as you can. But here's the other thing is that if you are able to get to the decision maker and they push you down, right? I mean, you know, include your, your invitation to come back. Thank you so much. I'm happy to meet with Megan. You know, after we've had a great conversation, can we loop you in if this is something that you're interested in? Almost every single person is going to say yes, because they're just trying to be nice. They're like, yeah, yeah, like that's fine, right? But like, now you've actually given yourself the invitation of the right. Now, the other thing about, you know, if you're ever pushed down, right? Remember that at a decision maker level, they are not talking about operations. They're not talking about making things better at this level. They're thinking strategy and vision. They're mm -hmm. thinking of the three-year and the five-year plan. And oftentimes when, when salespeople go in, they'll end up talking because they're talking to, let's say, the operations manager, right? You know, maybe the director of something, right? Somebody in this kind of mid-management tier. I'm talking to you because you're at that tier. Whereas when you start to change the game and start asking questions that are above my pay grade, right? I am now forced to go ahead and say, well, I don't have the answers to those questions. Who does? Mm -hmm. Right. We know who has the answers to that question. That's the person that is above me. It's not that we're wanting to ask those questions because it doesn't make sense. It has to make sense to the grand scheme of things. But the one thing that premium value providers get is that they're not in it for the short transaction. Mm -hmm. They're not in it for just the immediate sale. Yep. They're in it for the long-term relationship. They're in there for the three years, five years, 10 years. And so I want to talk to you today about what that three-year, five-year, 10-year vision looks like. Make sure that we're under an understanding that can we grow together? Yep. Can we help you develop and get you closer to those ultimate goals? And when I ask you at an operations level who only really has you know, vision into maybe six months, a year, maybe max three years, right? Anything beyond that, they can't answer. And so they're forced to kind of bring that next person in. And now we're having a bigger conversation. Okay. Do you recommend starting with that person then? Or do you recommend going to the decision maker and then getting knocked down and then building back up to the decision maker? All roads lead to Rome right? At the end of the day, yeah, you yeah. know, and I mean, you're going to do what you need to do to get into, into the, the conversation. I will always start at the top, right? Because I mean, if you get at the top, that's fantastic, but I'm not going to continue to knock the door of the person at the top if they're not answering, right? There's, you know, I mean, this is an old school thing, but it's called like go high, wide and deep, right? You start off with high, you can't get high, you go wide across that thing. And if you can't, then you start to go deep and you start to go down into some of the other conversations. You try, where you need to go. Now, if this client that you have selectively picked out, right, and we, you know, you've seen a lot of people write this, they say, make a list, 
who's that 100 clients that you're going after, right? Who are those 50 clients that you're going after and create a strategy for them for the next six months and a year, right? They'll, they now have given this a call of like account-based marketing. But 10 years ago, this was just called sales. Right? <laughs> this is like, you're a salesperson, this is your job, right? And now they talk about like account-based marketing and having this strategy behind it. You know, the, the idea behind this is like, I mean, you know, create a plan, right? Try, try different methods of communication, try different mediums of communication, try different messages, right? And you try different things because the reality is, is if I had a single message that worked to get 100% of the meetings for 100% of the people that you approached it with, honestly, I wouldn't be sitting in my basement in Calgary. I would be in Barbados living off a 300 foot yacht because I would be a billionaire. (laughs) You know, I would have this silver bullet that could like, you know, essentially create all of conversations at all times. But people are people. And right from the very beginning of the conversation, all the way to the very end, especially when we start to get into like, how do you communicate return on investment? I am unique. I am different and I am individual. And the conversation you want to have with me at the very beginning should be the exact same unique individual, different conversation that you're having with me throughout the entire process. And nor should it be the same exact same conversation that you're having with everybody else. There's ways to to speed it up, but you need to be present and in the moment and be willing to be fluid throughout every conversation. Yeah. On on LinkedIn, one of the things I like to do is kind of do like a multi-target. So I'll connect with like 15, 20 people in an organization and then basically try to start a conversation with them, not sales, but just to build kind of a little bit of relationship. And then I go up to the CEO and try to, you know, make this go there. But I, I find that a lot of times they go and they look at you and they see who your mutuals are. And then they go within the company and say, hey, I see you're a mutual friend with this Jess Tiffany guy. Who's he? So I like to kind of have like a couple ins where he, where he has a few people he can, you know, that are kind of close to his level that can he can go back and go, oh, yeah, he's that he's that guy. He's kind of big on LinkedIn or whatever, you know. And so I kind of that's kind of kind of how I play with it a little bit. Seems to work sometimes. So <laughs> I'm sure there's better methods, but that's kind of what I yeah. I've, uh, played with there. So so I saw you on your uh, LinkedIn profile, you met Oprah. I thought that yes. was cool. How did that happen? And just got to hang out for what? She just called me one day and... Oh my goodness. You know what? If Oprah had my phone number, I think I would probably like die like right here in my chair. You know what? I I had a window of opportunity to meet her, you know, and there's one thing I know is like never hesitate no matter what, what the investment, the cost, the time it takes, like, you know, and I grew up with Oprah, right? Oprah was my hero. You know, I said for the rest of my life, I'm like, you know what, one day, one day I'm going to be on the Oprah Winfrey show, right? And now the Oprah Winfrey show doesn't exist in its current form anymore. But you know, she was where I was, right? And I just said, like, you know, I reached out, made some phone call, whatever it was, I can't even remember exactly the whole thing. And it was like, I'm going to meet Oprah, right? Like, I'm going to meet Oprah. And so the the opportunity of meeting Oprah, in this case, actually, right? I wish I had like a better story about how she interviewed me and everything else with this. And we're cross on woods and we're putting it on the vision board because maybe one day it will happen. Is that, you know, when you meet Oprah, you, you only get a few seconds with her right? Like that's it, right? You know, you're just, you're brought in, you, you get your, con- like, you know, you get to have your picture and then you're out. And so for a couple months, I knew that I was going to meet Oprah, right? When she was going to be in town. And I was like, okay, like, this is awesome. And I, I stressed and I figured when you meet Oprah, what is like the one question that you want to ask her? Mm. Because I figured, right, that like, if I only got a few seconds with her, right, I had just enough time. If I practice it really well, I could ask her one question. And that was it. 
right? And so I knew it had to be fast. It had to be impactful. It had probably had to be five words or less because that was the only thing like I had mental capacity for <laughs> to remember. And I practice this. Like you had no idea. Like I, I, pra- I practice a lot of my sales meetings. I do a lot of role play and everything. But specifically around Oprah, I knew that I was probably going, like if I, if I stumbled and fell, I knew I want to at least get that out. And so, you know, I go and I meet her and you, she smells like roses and beautiful things. And I'm just like, oh, you know, and the only question I could get out of her right uh, in that moment was like, what do you need right now? (laughs) And that was like the only thing I could get in my head. I was thinking, I don't care if Oprah needed a box of Skittles. I am going to find a box of Skittles and I'm going to bring it to Oprah, right? And I'm going to be the person that like brought something to Oprah because I figured that everybody like is asking Oprah for something. What if I like, you know, change it around and ask her to do something? In hindsight, I wish I would have asked her a bitter question, right? I wish I would have asked her something like what was the best piece of advice you were ever given? But, you know, at the time that was, that was the only thing I could come up with. So, so if anybody ever gets a chance to meet Oprah, the question I would ask her is what is the best piece of advice you were ever given? All right. Did she want Skittles or something else? No, she actually, she said, you know what, um, what she ended up saying was, she's like, I I don't need anything. She's like, but thank you so much for the question. It was, you know, really great. And I was like, my heart was like, and I started to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Not quite as big a a famous person, but Jeffrey Hazlett, uh, four-time New York Times bestselling author guy. He lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is about a four-hour drive from Minneapolis where I'm at. And he uh, invited me for a whiskey tasting event. I don't really drink, but I but I drove I drove to South Dakota so I could hang out with him for the three four hours whatever it was, Lovely. and uh, that was a pretty cool experience getting to hang out with somebody pretty cool. But anyway, back to back to things here. So I was kind of curious. So you got the decision maker and you kind of got you know talked to him. Do you have any tips on getting to the close? Like, is there any things that you know once you kind of done your pitch? Is there any like one or two tips that can help you you know improve your conversion rates? When do you start to close? Right, you start from the you very yeah yeah you start from the very first meeting, right? Yeah. Like assuming assuming that you have created crazy amounts of value, you understand the clients, like you know goals and aspirations, you know the consequences of them staying in the current state. Where do they want to be? How are they going to measure the success of this investment, right? Yeah. And we yeah. clarified all of that. When you get to the proposal, right? I mean, first things first is like. Don't be proposing if you think that it, you have a less than 80% chance of closing the deal, mm. right? Do a quick gut check with yourself and be like, do I truly feel this client is ready to say yes right now, right? You know, put the, yourself in that person's shoes. If you don't feel the person is ready to say yes, or I met with one client, actually there's two client stories, but but one of them said, well, we probably closed like 50% of the proposals that we put out. And I'm like, so you're willing to put out, you know, a proposal when you feel like your odds are a coin flip right now? Like, you know, like that's, you should really take a look at that. I had another client that said they do for every close that they get, they probably do three proposals. And I'm like, you know, so I'm like, so if you need, let's say four closes in a month, I said, you're telling your team to like, will you marry me 12 times? I'm like, that's like, that's ridiculous, right? Like it takes, it's a lot of energy to get to the proposal stage. And if you're getting there and you feel like your, your chances of closing that is a coin flip or less, then chances are you're just not ready, right? Slow it down. Now, what I sometimes hear from people is like, well, the client is ready to buy, like they're, they're going to buy. Right. And it's like, okay, well then if they're going, if they're choosing to buy, but you don't feel like they're ready to buy from you, 
then you have one of two options, right? Let them go down that path. Like that, that's it, right? They're going to buy. They're, they're not even choosing you anyway, because you've already determined that the chances of them closing with you is like less than what you think it is. But the other thing is like, well, by slowing it down, doesn't that help your case? Right. Like if you're if you tell them that you're not quite ready to propose because you still need to find out more information, that you still are not clear about their goals or how they're going to measure the success of this project. How will you know that this was a successful investment for us? How are you going to measure, you know, what we've achieved in this period of time? If you can't answer those questions, it doesn't matter how amazing your proposal is, because if you can't answer that, how is the client supposed to answer that? And I can guarantee you they have not had that conversation amongst themselves, right? That oh, the only person that asks that question is the one that prompts them to think it and be like, oh, good. how should we measure the success of this? How will we know we receive the result? Like, what is the result we're looking for? And in the absence of getting, let's say, you know, to, you know, a certain revenue dollar, how will we know we're on the right path? Right. Like at what point do we like, you know, say, you know what, we're going to cut our losses. Like these are conversations that need to be have before the close, not after. That's like getting married to somebody and be like, oh, baby, like, by the way, we haven't even discussed, like, if we want to have kids or where we want to move or whose career, like we should like, and you're like holy, those are things you should have a conversation before you get married. Right. Yeah. Not after. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. <laughs> so and I totally agree with what you're saying. One piece, so one piece of my my organization, we do digital marketing, you know, as an agency as well. So how do you get past, a lot of times we have to give like custom quotes. So you kind of give, build all this value and then you, you know, and then all of a sudden you have to give them sticker shock, you know, at the end because, but you can't really tell them what it's going to do for them other than it's going to improve their business. Like, like if we're going to redesign a website, we're going to say you're going to increase your ROI and we're going to, you know, all this stuff. But then all of a sudden we're like, it's, you know, $25,000 for this website or whatever it is, you know, or 10,000 or, you know, whatever the price is. But I'm just kind of curious, how do you, I don't know how to ask my question, but basically I, I get stuck sometimes where I usually like try to be upfront with what prices are. So they have an expectation, but then by the, when they explain what they need and all this customization, all of a sudden now it's an extra 10 grand because what they want, how do you kind of justify that to them? Or, you know, when they kind of go in thinking, it's oh it's gonna be five thousand bucks and then it's twenty five thousand or something like that because they want these little nuances and stuff like that i'm just okay. curious if you have a i know it's a long kind of a long question yeah yeah okay so, so i mean yeah and there's a few pieces in there right so number one right you should if you have set your client's expectations for it to be five thousand mm -hmm. dollars right. of course your client is going to walk in there expecting it to be five thousand dollars so right. as as a service provider you have not done your job to mm -hmm. help set their expectations, right? This is called this is called anchoring, right? And what you ultimately want, if you don't know, like, so if, let's say you're you're at the very beginning stages of a, of a conversation yeah. and the client's like, well, how much is this going to cost? And you're like, listen, like, honestly, I don't even know because like, as we're going to go through this, like we're going to figure out some customizations and everything. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to tell you what, right? The most expensive project that we ever put out was like a $50,000 project. Mm. Now, based on what we're talking about, right, I, I definitely don't think that it's going to be a $50,000 project. We could be as low as 5,000, but that's going to be a bare bones. We're going to land somewhere in the middle and I don't know where that is. Gotcha. Now, so what did I do, right? What I ended up doing was I gave them the, the biggest shocking thing first. <gasps> I don't have $50,000. Like I, I, there's no way I can spend that. And then you help to bring me down, right? By saying, 
but it could be as low as 5,000. We're going to land somewhere in there, right? So now I know that my range is, and, and the difference is, it's a subtle, subtle difference, but it's so important, is that I don't say, well, we start from $5,000 and we can go all the way up to about 50 because people hear what they hear first, right? right? And so when I hear $50,000 first, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm reacting to that right away. And then when you bring me down to 5,000, I'm like, okay, you've calmed me down. Whereas when you say, I'm going to start you at 5,000 and bring you up, I'm like, well, then that's me. Like I'm the starting price, right? Like that's, and I don't even hear the second portion portion sure. of this, this conversation. Now, as we go forward, right, you know, and we're trying to get to that return on investment and everything, it is not up to you to tell your client what their return on investment is. Okay, so right from the very beginning, right, you know, how we how we connect with people through email, direct messaging, phone calls and everything like the message needs to resonate. So because I am already an individual, unique, different business, the results that I want to have from a new website, from a marketing campaign, from whatever it is, is probably also going to be unique and different and you know, completely individual to my business. How are we going to measure this? Now, the other thing, so let's let's assume we're doing a marketing campaign. We're going to get you more, more website hits, right? You know, a brand new website is going to give you a ton of SEO, right? You're going to blog post a bunch of stuff, but it's going to help drive more traffic. Oh, that's awesome. What am I doing? Why do I want more traffic? What is that going to do for me? right? And so these are part of the questions you need to ask in part of the sales cycle, right? Well, what does more traffic mean to you, right? How are you going to convert it? Because the end of the day, as soon as, as soon as the person has gone ahead and clicked the contact us button, your job is done, right? You have done your job, but then the client gets really upset after the project is finished. Cause they're like, Jess, we have all these people that are contacting us, but they're not even qualified. Right. We're not able to close them. We're not able blah, 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 blah. I mean, and, and we need to be really clear on this. Like imagine if Delta Airlines goes ahead and tries to sell you a vacation package and they're like, listen, we're going to take you to a beach. Right. You know, we're going to take you to a beach. It's going to be amazing, like fantastic. And you're like, awesome. Right. And so you get on this in this plane because you're thinking like, oh, my goodness, like we're going to go down to the Florida Keys. It's going to be beautiful. But where do they send you to? They send you to like, you know, Venice Beach or they send you maybe to Seattle. Seattle has a beach. Right. It's all rocks and it's cold, but it's a beach. <laughs> right. And, you know, and so they promised you what they were going to do for an expectation, what the result was going to be once you got there. And so we need to be asking these questions throughout the process. This is going to ultimately, people are going to be scared to do this because they're like, oh, it's going to slow down my sales process or I'm going to make them think of different things. No, if anything, they're going to value you. They're going to know why you're worth more. And ultimately, it's going to create more successful clients in the long run, helping you increase your referrals, your testimonials, and you know, create uh, bigger opportunities for upsells and cross-sells later on. Awesome. Yeah. So I just admitted to the, you know, thousands of people that sometimes like on my standardized pricing, it's easy because, you know, you just say the price and you're done and you can give them an idea. But I think on some of the big projects, you know, sometimes I go, well, it's usually about 5,000 bucks for most people. So it's a couple of times. Know, and then of course, of course they don't want it. I call, and then they shop around, right? Because now they're like, well, he said it was 5,000. He's showing me a price that's like two times that amount. Like I'm not, I'm not really sure. And you completely discounted all the value you may have created because they've, they've been going in with this expectation, this expectation, this expectation. And then it doesn't happen the way they, they expect, right? Where, what is happiness? Happiness is that my reality meets my expectations. Yeah. And when I have my expectations set for me by a service value provider and my reality comes and it is, it is far different than my expectations, I am now an unhappy person. Therefore, I have to go and I have to shop around. 
Whereas when you go ahead and you set someone's expectations down here, right, wherever it is, and you exceed them, now I'm really happy, right? When we present pricing to our clients, we have two tiers of pricing, right? We have our, our business solutions, right? And then we have our small business solutions, we call them, right? And in our business solutions, I mean, we have pricing that goes up to like $30,000 a month, right? You can, you can work with us, right? We will train your team. We're going to do some raw, raw, raws. We're going to have like a whole, we're actually going to help you even recruit qualified salespeople. On our small business solutions, even if I'm talking to a single person, I always promote my price at saying like, listen, on the top end of our small business solutions, we have a price that is $2,900 dollars a month, which allows you and 11 of your employees to join the program. Even if I'm talking to employee one, mm -hmm. right? You know, like I'm the solopreneur. Why do I do that? Right? Because number one, I have to give them sticker shock, right? I have to let them know like this is, and I'm, and they immediately said, this is not for you. This is overkill for you. But when you're there, I want you to know that we have a solution to meet your needs. And I'm like, oh, good. Kim can grow with us, right? Where, where you should be, right, is probably solution number two, right, which is you and an employee. And I know it's just you, but for $500 a month, as long as you're a constant subscriber, you could split that cost with another entrepreneur, you could hire somebody, you could like, if that person changes, you can bring somebody else in all the time, right, but you're constantly getting it. And then on our lowest end, we have $50 a month for the self-study program. And for most people, they're not self, I'm not a self-study person myself, right? That's not something I would go for, but we wanted to provide that option because there are lots of people that are. And so what did I do, right? Instead of saying, hey, we start at $50 a month. You're like, awesome, that's me. I'm $50 a month. And then we go to 500. Oh, I'm going to try the $50 a month. And I'm going to see if that works for me, which it won't, right? Because I'm not a self-study person. I'm going to see if that works for me. And if it doesn't, then, you know, I know where I can go. But what's going to end up happening when, when they're not a self-study person and they try the $50 a month program, they're unhappy. Right. And then they go somewhere else. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah. Luckily, I don't have to do a, I don't do a ton of custom quotes, but I have, I guess I have noticed that I've done that in the past. So thank you for <laughs> me. Uh, they should all be custom, Jess. They should all be custom. You're providing exceptional value for somebody. Yeah, there's I mean, there's so, massive so, money in customization. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I agree. You're absolutely right. Now you got me flustered. <laughs> For your company, what's the number one like revenue generation method? Is it like going through or like sales method, like going through like calling people LinkedIn or Facebook ads or what's your kind of your number one breadwinner? Oh. So, so for our business personally, yeah, I was curious what, what, what method works best for your company specifically webinars, oh. right? Like, you know, creating, creating relationships with people and just show like teaching, right? Like if I get an opportunity to teach somebody and they say, holy crap. I got so much value in that 60 minutes, that 90 minutes. I can only imagine like what a program, like what they're going to go through in the program. Like that's what I do. Now I give the very best, right? I, I do not believe with the idea that I'm going to give you just a little bit, right? And then you're going to be so hungry that you're going to want the rest. I'm like, no, here's, here's what it is, right? And I'm going to give you the very best. And if that's what you need, good. Our mission at, at KO Advantage Group is to teach 1 million people sales skills. Wow. Now, I, I want to be clear here because that does not necessarily mean that I need to have 1 million subscribers by 2030. What that means is that I want to have a million people who could say, like, I am a student mm -hmm. of, of Kim Orleski. I am a student of KO Advantage Group. I never got a chance to see Zig Ziglar speak when he was alive. 
right? I never got a, got an opportunity to like, you know, join one of his classes. Now, I mean, you can, you can go to the Ziegler Institute or whatever they call it now, but I consider myself to be a student of his teaching because he taught, like he taught such great material every single time. That is our goal, right? And that's why, you know, whether it's the book and, you know, whether you want to download, you know, sell more faster for free, just because you need to digest the content, you prefer to read a book and you're going to contact a small business owner and order a specialty, or you're just going to attend a webinar from us, or maybe join one of our programs. We want to give you the relationship that you, you can both put yourself in, invest worth the time as well as financial. So that no matter what, you're getting the very best, right? The difference is like, you know, are you going to do it yourself, which you can do it. You can do it yourself if you want to. I can learn how to cook through online recipes. Mm -hmm. I could take a cooking class and I could learn to cook even faster and better. And like, you know, and with somebody with detail, it's going to give you feedback. Mm -hmm. And we're the same thing, right? Here's a bunch of free recipes that you can download, right? Here's a whole bunch of resources. Here's a whole bunch of great webinars, like all sorts of different things. But listen, if you want to get results faster, better, you know, more efficiently, if you are determined that this year is the year that you are going to hit whatever that goal is, whether it's a six-digit goal, a seven-digit goal, an eight-digit goal, uh, work with us. We have a team in place that has been there and done that, and we can work with you. I am probably one of the few sales people, sales trainer companies out there that has like literally said that, I mean, we have worked, like I, I have personally started and closed like 40 some million dollar projects. Yeah, I was working for American Express at the time, but because I've been in that, I know what it looks like to be in that, yeah. right? And so if you're wanting, if you want that type of experience level, you come and see us, right? And we're happy to help. But we've also worked with, you know, we do a lot of smaller transactions too. And we know what that game looks like too. Awesome. Can they find your webinars on your website? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can find all of our webinars. Follow us. If you're on LinkedIn, go to the KO Advantage page on LinkedIn. We're posting all of our webinars on the events section of that page, as well as if you go to kimorleskay.com slash events, you'll see all of our webinars, as well as the ones that we co-host with other companies, such as uh, Zoom, Inc. Magazine, HubSpot, and a whole bunch of other associations as well. Awesome. Thank you. I did actually get to see Zig speak one time, so I was happy. Yeah. <laughs> you came to Minneapolis, I don't know, five, 10 years. I don't know how many years ago it was. Maybe it's 15 years ago now. I, I lose track of time. Yeah, yeah. I say the other day and tell a story and my wife's like, you know, the other day was like uh, 15 years ago. And I'm like, oh, whoops, you know. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way. I'm like, I, I watch my son. My son is now, he's like three and a half, right? And I said, like, you know, I said, I don't know how he keeps getting bigger and growing because I haven't aged a day. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, I don't know if anybody else got something out of it, but I got a ton out of it. So I appreciate it. I'm not going to be making that uh, one mistake about setting low expectations right at the beginning. And again, I don't think, I didn't do that a lot, but occasionally yeah. I catch myself doing that not not realizing it but it's a skill it's a skill yeah. that needs practice right and i think that's that's part of it you know i mean earlier you talked about like how do you get past like you know presenting yourself as a number you have to practice it and that's why even in our own program i mean we do a lot of role play right it's like practice these phone calls practice these conversations that you're practice a negotiation practice just saying your 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 price because it sounds a lot different in your head than the first time it comes out and the moment you stumble over that word right? You create hesitancy and doubt in the client. So yeah. you want to be clean and crisp with it every single time. Yeah. It's funny before I started my own business, I sell other people's products and I was just, I, I could sell those all day long because I didn't have the hesitancy because I believe, because I knew the product worked and I had the confidence to just, you know, 
I just say, boom, this is what it is. This, you know, I think, and then you get your, you start getting into your own products and services. Sometimes you kind of get in your own head and you're like, oh, I, you know, you kind of have that, like I said, the hesitancy in your voice and it comes across. So I have experienced that. But anyway, thank you so much for being here. So you told them, I guess, already where to find you, LinkedIn and your website. Yes. Could you spell the website for people that are maybe? Yeah. So Kim Orleski is K-I-M-O-R-L-E-S-K-Y. Dot com. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast today. Have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you again soon.